Hello, and welcome to Raising Eco-Minimalists, a podcast that acts as a community for those who are raising kids who care about their mind, body, and the earth. I'm Laura, your host, mom to a five-year-old and self-described anxious eco-minimalists. Thanks for joining. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Raising Eco Minimalists. Today, I am super excited to be joined by Stacy C. Bauer, who is a mom, a teacher, an author, and a fellow Minnesotan. Before we dive in on our topic for today, um, first, Stacy, I just wanted to say welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to join you tonight. Me too. So can you tell us about who you are and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. Um, as you said, my name is Stacy, and um, I was uh, born and raised in Blaine, Minnesota, and I now live about a half hour north of Minneapolis with my husband and two children, Cammie and Wyatt. And um, I started out my career with uh, being a teacher, and I taught for about 16 years. And then um, in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to be a published author. It was always just a dream of mine since I was a child and had started writing. So I decided a few years back that I was going to write a book. And it would just sell and I would have to do anything, (laughs) which I think a lot of self-published authors, you know, we don't really know what to expect. So we kind of don't know how much, you know, work is going to be going to have to go into it. So I I wrote a, uh, I started writing a series about my children, Cammie and Wyatt, and I worked very hard on finding an illustrator and getting it printed at Bang Printing and Brainerd. And um, now I have my own website and I'm selling the, I have eight books in the series now and I'm selling them on Amazon and on my website. We definitely are going to talk about Cami and Wyatt, uh, that series a little bit later, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to jump into what got me initially introduced to you. And Mm -hmm. I mean that um, via social media, you have started something that I think is so cool. It's a young change maker book series. Mm -hmm. So what made you want to write these books about young change makers in our world? Yeah, so I've always kind of wanted to use my author voice to make more of a difference. I mean, my first series about Cammie and Wyatt, I feel like is a series that is relevant to families and teachers out there, but I really wanted to do something that would affect change and kind of inspire people to make a difference in the world. And so last winter, I was just kind of brainstorming ideas and it just popped into my head that, you know, there are a lot, I have a lot of books. I'm a teacher and a mom and I love to read and all that. And I have a lot of children's books and there are a lot of books out there about people in history who've made a difference, but not as many books about people who are making a difference right now in the present time. So, and especially young people. So I thought, what if I find young people who are currently making a difference and I write about them? I could do like a, a, you know, a book, you know, featuring maybe like 20 kids from around my area, around the world or wherever I find them. And I could feature them in the book. And I thought these kids could be doing anything from just, you know, little random acts of kindness to cycling to uh, helping the homeless animal um, advocacy, anything. So I started, um, so I, I had my idea. And then I had this, this is different for me because my first series is all fiction. So this is a nonfiction series. So I had to do a, um, I had to do a lot of research. So I went on Instagram and I typed in some hashtags like kids inspiring others and inspiring kids and kids helping people and things like that. And I started making a list of kids that I found that were doing amazing things. 
make a difference. And I also created a graphic and I posted it on social media, um, just telling every kind of announcing my project and asking people to let me know if they knew of anybody. And boy, <laughs> my one book idea turned into seven <laughs> wow. because people kept sending me these awesome kids. And I just couldn't say no, because it just, I mean, it was, um, so these kids are so inspiring and uh, the things that they're doing at such a young age to change their communities is just um, amazing to me. And I just wanted to feature all of them. So now I have seven books, each with 12 kids <laughs> who are doing things um, to make a difference around the world. That is so amazing. So you got to interview all the kids. Is that right? Yes. Mm hmm. What were some of the things that stood out to you? Were there any like general themes or anything that really just made you go wow? Well, there were a lot of things that made me go wow. <laughs> so the first one of the things I noticed that I thought was really interesting and really cool was that they kind of have their own little community of change makers. So it's it was interesting because when I when I would contact some of these so what I did is I reached out to them via social media or on their website, told them who I was and asked if they were interested in being featured in a new book series. And then um, their parents, since they're, they're minors, their parents reached out to me and um, it was that it's them that I'm communicating with. So I sent their parents email with interview questions for the um, young people to answer. And, and then the parents were, were giving me other ideas of kids that they knew but they were kids that I'd already contacted oh. and I had no idea that they all knew each other, oh, <laughs> but they go, they go to all of these conferences together and oh. these um, award ceremonies and just a lot of different um, events that they do. Even just in the U S um, kids from California, know kids from New York who are making a difference and they know kids from Texas. And it's just, it's just, it was interesting that I didn't realize it was like their own little world that they kind of all belong to. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. And then a lot of these a lot of these kids are starting to do things when they're in elementary school and I just remember when I was in elementary school not really this sounds bad but not really thinking of too much besides, you know, Barbies and <laughs> Mm -hmm. watching TV and reading and, and really, you know, getting outside and playing, which is all great. But these kids are, are very, very selfless and humble. And just the, the way that they think of others and the earth and how, I mean, there's a, there's a boy who's, um, who is raising money by doing a letter campaign and he's already saved 30 acres of rainforest uh, I just think that's amazing because, I mean, I'm passionate about the environment um, and here's a, you know, a 10 year old <laughs> who has set aside 30 acres of rainforest, which I just think is so amazing. And then there's kids who are one, one boy that I am featuring started his own recycling company when he was three and oh. now he's recycled over like a billion cans, bottles and, and um, things like that. And he spends his time like picking up the beaches in California, picking up litter off the beaches. I mean, it's just so wow. inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> Were you able to talk with them about how they got inter interested in, in these th things? I'm sure it's different for mm -hmm. everyone, but I don't even, like you said, at three or even yeah. elementary <laughs> school, I was like, I don't think I'd have the mindset to, you know, start my own nonprofit right. or whatever. Well, yeah, I know. 
Well, a lot of their stories are the same. So yeah, one of my questions, one of my interview questions was, um, what inspired you to get started or, or who helped you or how did you get started? And so um, with the kids who are helping the environment, a lot of it was spurred by, um, you know, they have a favorite animal, like the boy who's interested in saving the rainforest, his favorite animal is frogs. And so he learned that frogs are there's a lot of species of frogs that are endangered and not doing well because of how the rainforests are not doing well and so um that kind of led him to then protect the rainforest because a lot of the frog species in the world live in the rainforest so Mm. that's so because he loves frogs that kind of uh, snowballed and turned into this passion about saving the rainforest and the boy who you know was interested in recycling um, his dad brought him to re- they were picking up uh, recycling and litter as a family and then his dad brought him to the local recycling company to kind of show him even at that young of, of an age like this is what they do when you recycle bottles and from then on he's just been super interested in in doing that and and um recycling and getting and inspiring other people to recycle too. And then there's, I have a boy who loves cheetahs. I mean, every child has a favorite animal usually. So his favorite Mm -hmm. animal is cheetahs. And so he read a book about cheetahs being endangered and talked to his mom and his mom found a wildlife sanctuary. And now they fundraise and they've sent over almost $40,000 to this. I know, isn't that crazy? (laughs) To this... To this wildlife sanctuary in Africa, who is so it's so I could probably talk about this all night, but <laughs> they make these GPS collars to put on the cheetahs because one of the cheetahs' main issue is that they're being killed by farmers because the cheetah mm. the farmers think the cheetahs are are killing their livestock so they collar the cheetahs when they find them on the farmer's land and they kind of follow them and track them and and they try to show the farmers that the cheetahs aren't killing your livestock it's something else they're killing wild animals so then they're trying to kind of make things peaceful between the cheetahs and the farmers so anyway it's just yeah wow. um, most kids with the environmental stuff it's like something they were passionate about their favorite animal or um, you know the recycling thing and then I have have kids who are fundraising for sick children like one girl bakes cookies um, she has a friend who had a um, has a rare pediatric disease and so she baked cookies and like sold them to raise money for research for her friend and now that's so it's like her own nonprofit called um, Dana's uh, cures for kids her name is Dana and so she bakes all these cookies and, and raises all this money for research into those rare diseases and um, so there's so and and a lot of those is spurred like either the the child themselves were sick and somebody did something kind for them. Like one girl was in the hospital and her her grandmother brought her uh, a stuffed monkey and it helped her feel better. So now she has a nonprofit called Allie's Monkeys and people can actually request monkeys to be sent to their children who are in the hospital oh, wow. or something. Yeah. And she sends those out and she's delivered hundreds of stuffed monkeys around her area oh, to kids gosh. who are not feeling well. So anyway, yeah, that's just just these kids. uh, It's either someone close to them or themselves who've been affected and they want to help other people too. Hmm. That is incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Do you find that, I'm sure exactly how to word this, but as adults, we think we have this really great idea, but we, then we get faced with like imposter syndrome or the what ifs, or I can never Mm -hmm. do that. Do you think Mm -hmm. that these kids don't necessarily have that yet. And so they just go gung ho or am I off there? 
No, I think it kind of depends on the kid and it also kind of depends on their age. I have some kids that I interviewed who are a little bit older, like 11, 12, 13, 14. And, you know, when you hit in my, I have an 11 year old daughter. And when you hit that age, you become a little bit more self-conscious. Like people are looking at me, what are people thinking of me? And you kind of start to doubt yourself more. So I definitely think a lot of the younger kids have more confidence and kind of, I don't know if they have more courage or if they're just not, they're not as jaded by the world. You know, they're more, they're more innocent, I guess, and more optimistic maybe and more hopeful. Um, but the older kids, uh, several of them told me that they had people telling them, you're too young, you can't do this, you know, and they were uh, thought about quitting and or they didn't like public speaking. And so they weren't going to do what they were going to do. But then they kind of pushed through it and they learned a lot about themselves. Like, I can do this. I can get over my fear of, of public speaking and get over my doubts about myself. And they really learned the lesson that I'm trying to get across, which is you're not too, you're never too young to make a difference. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a really important message, especially in our world today. Right. I think. Yes. So my son is half Korean, so he's half Asian. Mm -hmm. And when he was born, I got really frustrated really fast at the lack of representation in children's mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. And one thing I noticed immediately with your books, with the covers, the different kids that you are highlighting is that there's a lot of representation and, and not only in terms of race, but also in abilities. Mm -hmm. And so, which I think is great, but why was that important for you to do? Well, same thing with you as being a teacher, especially with everything going on in the world, the last couple of years here, I took a good look at my library of picture books that I have in my classroom at home. And I noticed that I don't have a lot of diversity uh, in my picture book library. And so I set out to buy more diverse books, which I did. But um, I noticed the same thing as you like, you know, you, you go on Amazon, or you go on Google, and you Google, you know, books about kindness or books about making a difference. And a lot of them are featuring kids who all look the same, you know, who all have the same abilities. And so I really wanted to represent, I really wanted every child in the world to kind of see themselves in these books. So I tried really hard to find kids from different backgrounds, different abilities to show that, wow, you know, um, uh, there's a there's a girl who uses a wheelchair to get around and she's making a difference. Maybe I can do that too, you know? So it was just important to me to do that because as a teacher, those are the kind of books I'd want in my classroom. And as a mother, those are the kind of books I'd want my kids to read. And I want other kids around the world to, like I said, see themselves represented in these books. Yeah, that's awesome. Representation is so important. Right. So at the time of this recording, it's the week that the International Panel of Climate Change released their annual mm -hmm. report. And as anybody in the mm -hmm. you know, eco-friendly sustainability space knows, it it it's not good. And it's kids like these that really give me hope and, mm -hmm. you know, are a big part of my why is why I'm doing this podcast and why I, you know, mm -hmm. do things that I do. And I'm curious if... The kids that you interviewed, did they share any concerns about either the future of the planet or, you know, social issues and maybe not calling them that, but things that fall in that line? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, gosh, now I'm going to have to think about what the exact numbers were. But the boy I was telling you about that is working on the rainforest had mentioned that he he's working with Rainforest Trust 
And there was some number and I'm going to get it wrong probably, but it was like, if you, uh, he, he was, if you save like, you know, 30% of the rainforest by 2030, like 30 by 30 or something was their campaign. The recommendation was to try to get the rainforest going in the right direction, I guess you might say. But so that's, that's kind of his campaign. So, and then there's, I'm doing i I'm featuring the boy Felix who started plant for the planet. And so his, He's in, from Germany, and he is now in his 20s. But when he was nine, back when he was nine, that's why I'm so frustrated because we've been hearing about climate change for decades. And mm. I feel like, and I know as we have done things, but it's just frustrating when you hear about it for so long. And it, people just, some people just don't think it's a big deal, you mm-hmm. know, because he his teacher challenged him to do a presentation about climate change when he was nine. So this was... 15 years ago. And um, so he learned about it and he was alarmed by it. And so he planted a tree and that turned into all these schools across Germany, all these kids planting trees. And then pretty soon, a few years later, they had a million trees planted um, was there was there. um, That was their goal was to plant a million trees around the world. And he did it. And now his now and then he did a billion and now their 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 organization is so big they have um, embassies all over the world with kids who are um who are ambassadors in all different countries and running running planting parties and things like that Mm. that now their goal is a trillion trees wow and so they talk about like not just um the rainforest and that trees are good for the environment, but also for the fact that um, the trees are good for environmental justice too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, yeah, these kids for sure know what's going on better than a lot of adults. I feel like. Yeah. And (laughs) it's so heartbreaking. You know, my son is five and a half, but just thinking of the weight that is on their shoulders and the things that they're going to have to work through as they get older and it mm-hmm. just seems really unfair sometimes well, a lot yeah. of the times <laughs> right i know so say we we have a kid that comes to us and like the example you gave you know they learn about the cheetah and being endangered and they're super gung ho about wanting to become a young change maker mm-hmm. how can we as parents or guardians based on what you've learned from these interviews support kids who come to us with these ideas Yeah, well, I think, first of all, just um, telling them that, yeah, this is great, you know, encouraging them and letting them know that, you know, you think this is a great idea and that we should look further into it. A lot of the kids told me that um, they first had this idea and then they did go to the adults in their life. And they brain, the first thing they did is just sit down with the adults in their life and brainstorm what they can do to help. Hmm. So I have a boy from Australia who has raised millions of dollars to help with the drought that they had going on mm-hmm. with the farmers over there um, who were losing their farmland and their livestock because they weren't getting any rain. And the first thing he did, he saw the news about it. He was like eight or something. And he was like, mom, I really want to help. Um, I, it just spurred, it just made, um, it spurred a desire in his heart that he wanted to do something. A lot of us feel that like, I want to do something. What, but then we kind of feel like, well, what can I do? I'm just mm-hmm. one person or I don't know what to do. I don't have any money, but these kids, you know, they don't, a lot of the kids don't think like that. They think, mm-hmm. all right, there's gotta be something I can do. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they sit down with the, with the adults and then the, the parents are the ones that kind of 
steer their, uh, I guess, I guess the, you would, you could say the kids are the dreamers and the parents are the realists. Like mm. the parents are the ones who are like, okay, realistically, what can you as an eight year old do? Well, we can't. So the boy from Australia decided that, um, they were going to each, everybody's going to bring $5 to school and dress up as a farmer. And then they would take all the money and donate it to the local farmers. And oh, ended up, he ended up raising like a million dollars. I'm like, Oh my God. Cause he, his parents, wow. so his parents role was they called the media. Then mm. they, they contacted the local media. They called, they emailed whatever. And they got, they get the children featured because the kids can't do that. So that's mm-hmm. what the parents do. They get their children featured in the media sure. and the media then takes off with the story. Cause here you have an eight year old kid who's raising money to help local farmers. How awesome is that? Right. You know. And then oh. the parents are the ones who have the social media accounts. So they go on social mm. media and they share the stories everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then they have other adults who want to donate and who want to share this, the story. And so I think it's the parents as parents, our job is to kind of steer the kid in the direction that would um, would realistically carry out the idea that they have. Like, what what can we do? Let's make a list of ideas. Um, what's the next step? Kind of make a plan. Um, contact the media. Get it out on social media. Email family and friends. Yeah, and then the logistics. Like, do you want to have? Do we want to make this a nonprofit? Do we want a website? Do we want? Do we have to get anything made like the stuffed monkeys? And just yeah, just kind of help the child with their idea. If it's something like um, like I have a lot of kids who want to just donate instead of getting presents for their birthday. They want to they want to donate supplies to the local animal shelter. Mm. That's great, right? Mm-hmm. So then the parents are the ones that put it on social media and say, "Hey, in lieu of gifts, we would like supplies for the local animal shelter." Then the parents will drive the child to the shelter, and then you know they will donate it together. And so you know because the kids can't drive yet, so the parents are are helping them with deliveries and donating th- and collecting things and driving to the places um, that need the donations. Sure. Yeah, those are great tips. And I think that it can also be applicable for people that aren't necessarily parents or guardians. They can, right. even if you have kids in your lives, because unfortunately the reality is that not everybody has such supportive parents. And oh, yeah. so yeah. if we can even just help out other kids, you know, neighbors or, or kids in our community. So you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be a parent or a guardian, which is oh, yeah. exciting. Right. I have a, I'm featuring a boy out East who, I don't know if you saw on the news, but um, last winter there was a huge blizzard. So he, his, he has a neighbor, like a friend of the family who took him to a local hospital and they cleared off the windshields of Mm. every single staff person at the hospital's car Wow! so that they could just like, cause with the pandemic, you know, they've been working really hard mm-hmm. and they were, and he was like, I want to help the medical staff. Let's go scrape off all their windshields yeah. during a blizzard. And then the, the, you know, the hospital staff could just come out and go get in their nice warm car oh. and go home and not worry about clearing. So that was, that wasn't his, um, a parent. It was a mm. family friend who agreed. It was his idea. And he, he asked a family friend if she would go with him and she said, yes. And so there's a lot of aunts and uncles involved. Grandparents, teachers have done drives, have helped kids collect things at school. Um, so definitely doesn't need to be a parent. Yeah. That is so cool. So, uh, switching a little bit, say as parents or guardians or, or people with kids in our lives, how can we encourage and empower our kids to become young change makers? Of course, not forcing them, but say they, right. they don't necessarily have come to us with the idea, but we want to mm-hmm. get those gears go, going. Right. 
Well, with my own children and in my classroom at school, we talk a lot about random acts of kindness, just doing a small thing ever start small. And a lot of these kids that I've been interviewing have told me that too. Like one of the questions I asked them was, what advice would you give kids to encourage them to be change makers? And a lot of them said, just start small, like do one small thing for someone. And that's what I talk to the kids in my classroom and my own children about. Like every day, let's do one little thing. Like let's, um, let's shovel someone's sidewalk or let's bake cookies and bring them to a neighbor or let's bring up somebody's trash can or give someone a compliment or hold the door for someone. I mean, those are little things, but they could make someone's whole day if they're having a bad day. And then maybe they'll go do something nice for somebody else. And pretty soon you have the whole pay it forward ripple effect going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think books help a lot. Like I read, I, in my classroom at home, I get a lot of books about kindness and helping others. And I'm hoping my books do that. I have a section in each feature in my book that has ideas about how they can become a change maker too. So um, when you're reading these books with your children, you can be like, oh, look, this, you, maybe we could do one of these things, you know, or like if your child is, you know, you find what they're passionate about, which let's say is animals, or they're passionate about saving the rainforest, or they're passionate about um, feeding the homeless, then you could then look in the book and get ideas about how you could take a step to actually turn your passion into action. Um, And then I think too, just being a role model for your kids, like my children and I, we actually go out and do things to help people. I don't just say to my kids, oh, go shovel the sidewalk. I actually do it. (laughs) So, and I know it's, you know, life is busy and it's hard and and some parents can't or um, don't do that. But even if you if, if it's your grandchild or your, your friend's daughter or take the, if you're going to a, a soup kitchen, take them with you. If you're going to feed my starving children, take them with you. If you're um, going to volunteer at the animal shelter, take them along. You know, if you're going to shovel someone's sidewalk, ask them if they want to come help. And, and um, you know, I think if uh, the kids are, kids are watching us to see what mm. we're doing. And yes. so think if, you know, they, and a lot of these kids did say, my mom helps people. So she inspired me to start doing it too. Or my grandma, you know, has this, um, has been um, helping the homeless for years. And so I wanted to do it too. So kids watch adults to see what we're doing. And a lot of times it's our actions that inspire them to want to take action too. Yeah, that is so true. That's such a good point. And I love the start small because that's what Mm -hmm. we talk about on this podcast and, and my my blog all the time is just, you know, one step at a time. That's what we can do. It's how we can get started and not get overwhelmed. So it makes obvious sense that it would apply to our our kids as well. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so you have a Kickstarter going um, Mm -hmm. at the time of this recording for Mm -hmm. the Young Changemaker series. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, So a Kickstarter campaign is, uh, so if you are are a creator and you have this idea and you want to bring it to life, um, but you don't have the funding to bring it to life, you can create a a um, project on Kickstarter. So it's a website. It's kind of as a crowdfunding thing. So basically what you do is you have this project, make a video, you make a campaign page, you make different reward levels, and then you they give you a link and you have to set a, um, a goal, a monetary goal for yourself, but then also a, a time limit for yourself. And so um, what happens is I have a link and I send it out, you know, I put it on social media, I put it on my website, 
um, try to reach my audience who I think would be interested in these books. And people can then order the books. So they can order one book, two books, they the whole series. They can. There's a reward level I made where they can donate books to kids who need books. I thought that was important. And then there's mm. a teacher pack on there for teachers that I had lesson plans made and I, I do virtual author visits. Um, and so, and, or you can just pledge money and not get anything in return if you just want to donate money. And then what happens is, so I have 30 days to make my goal. And if I don't make my goal in 30 days, I don't get anything <laughs> that mm. I raised so far. So it's kind of an all or nothing, which mm-hmm. is good and bad. I mean, it's good because you have your sense of urgency and it it pushes me to really work hard for the, the month. But you know, if you don't make it, obviously that stinks because right now I'm like, $2,000 away from my goal of $24,000. So, um, so anyway, but I still have 15 days left. So I'm pretty, I'm fairly confident that I'm going to make my goal, but I figured out my goal. I'm trying to get hardcover books printed and the books to get hardcover books printed, plus the illustrations and the formatting and the cover design and the editing and all that is like $8,000 per book. So that's oh, why I ended up okay. setting my goal for 24,000. Yeah. And I will say, when I looked this morning, I think it was at 91%. So that yeah. was really exciting. Yeah. And, and um, I will also say that if you are interested in the Kickstarter, I will definitely link to it in the show notes. And um, that if you wanted to select one of the backing options to buy the books, you do have the option to add on and donate one as well. So if you wanted to yeah. do both, yeah. you can do that as well. So Yep. And P- and just so people know, you it doesn't, because some people are like, well, I don't have any money right now or I need to wait till payday. So they do ask for a credit card, but you don't get charged until my campaign ends at the end of August. Oh, okay. So just so people know that you don't yeah. have to pay right now. Yeah, that is good to know. And who are the books for? They are for elementary age kids. So it could be, um, they can be read, they're at about probably a third, third or fourth grade reading level, but they can be read out loud to kids as young as kindergarten. Um, because like I said, there's kids who started, who are featured, who started when they were three. So I think definitely kindergartners can um, still, it can be for their age, but then it can go all the way up to, I've had, my daughter is going to be in sixth grade and she thought they were interesting too. So hmm. it, I, I would say any elementary age child would probably like the books. Awesome. And then you mentioned earlier that there were tips on um, how mm-hmm. kids can, can kind of get involved. Is there also, uh, I'm assuming there's information about how to support these kids that you feature yep. as well? Okay, cool. Yep. And that's one of my main goals with the books is to mm-hmm. get their charities out there because they've mm-hmm. done so much work and so much so much good uh, work for the, um, the environment and people and animals. So yeah, on each feature, um, it says to find out more about this person visit this website or this link or something like that. So yeah, they can definitely read more about the kids after they finish reading the books. That's awesome. I'm so excited for them to come out. Me too. (laughs) I'm sure you are. Yeah. It's been working on it since January. So I'm just like, I can't wait till these get printed. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) So switching gears quick, um, wanted to quickly talk about your other book series, which is called uh, Cammie Kangaroo and Wyatt 2, which you mentioned was named after your kids, which is so cute. (laughs) I love that. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about this series? 
Yeah. So the, so the series, um, when I had the idea in my mind to write about them, I was kind of thinking Berenstein Bears. Um, I grew up reading those books. I read those books to my kids. Um, and so I thought, you know, my kids have done lots of funny things too. And I had been posting about the funny things they've done on social media and people would tell me, you should write a book series. Your kids do such funny <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, whatever. Well, then I just decided, okay, well, maybe I will. <laughs> so the first book is about my daughter sneaking treats and she ends up with cavities. And so that's relatable because a lot of, I think, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of parents out there um, and teachers talk to their students and their children about eating healthy and taking care of their teeth and listening and all that. Um, and then I have the book about um, having too much stuff and then the book mm -hmm. about screen time. And so it's kind of, and then a book about kindness and friendship. And just, I try to pick uh, relatable topics that my kids have done, but also can, um, that, that, you know, resonates with a lot of other families out there too. Mm, yeah. And I wanted to talk specifically about the book that uh, talks about having too much stuff yeah. because yep. the podcast is, you know, eco-minimalists for yep. raising them. So that's very relevant. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that book and what made you decide to write it? Yeah. So my daughter, bless her heart, is a little bit of a hoarder. <laughs> so she has a lot of stuff. And it's not like we don't, we're pretty frugal. So she doesn't have a lot of like toys and a lot of clothes and a lot of electronics, really, if any, but she just, she likes to make things. So she has like she'll save toilet paper tubes and um, cardboard and she makes all these cool inventions, which is awesome. But then it's just, there's just stuff all over the place. And, uh, and you know, she's got, anyway, it's, it's just, she just has a lot of, I don't know how she does it, but just accumulates. <laughs> and I've, I heard from other parents and kids out there that, yeah, I have the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, so I decided for my second book, I would write about having too much stuff and kind of, things that can happen because you have too much stuff. Like in my daughter's case, um, she loses things and she oh. does in real life too. And in the book, she loses things and she can't find stuff because she just has so much stuff all over the place. And, you know, the kids can tend to have so much stuff that they don't, they don't even know what to play with because they have so many oh. toys. And mm -hmm. so anyway, there's just different issues that can come up because you have too many things. And so the book kind of talks about being responsible for your things and not having too much and then organizing things and, um, and things like that. And then the back, I always try to, the books are funny and not preachy, but in the back of the books, I, I try to have tips and ideas for parents and teachers. So um, I interviewed people on my social media page and asked, um, how do you help your kids declutter and organize their things? And then I put some of those ideas in the back of the book. That's super helpful. Uh, yeah. Do you have one or two favorite tips that you could share? Oh, <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this one, but one of the ideas was sweep everything to the center of the room, set a 20 minute timer <laughs> and tell them that whatever is left when the timer goes off gets donated. <laughs> I told my daughter I was going to do that. And she literally like, she, she did, I didn't end up doing it because she had such a panic attack. Oh. And I was like, this isn't worth it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So one of the ideas um, I liked a lot with that I use a lot with my daughter is I have a laminated checklist on her wall of five things she has to do every night before she goes to bed. So mm. she has to five things she has to pick up that way. Okay. It's not like I'm saying, go clean your room. Mm -hmm. It's I'm just saying pick up these five things. So it's like one of them is clothes because she always leaves her clothes laying on the floor. 
One of them is uh, papers. One of them is stuffed animals. One of them is um, garbage. I know it sounds bad, but sometimes she has like, you know, string cheese wrappers and yeah. stuff. And mm -hmm. then there's one more. But anyway, she does it every night before she goes to bed and that keeps her room fairly organized then. That's a great um, idea. Yeah. And, and then um, one of parents says, let your child display their creations until recycling day. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's time to let them go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tip too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, thank you for sharing those. And I'll yeah. put a, um, you have a link on your website with all the books. So I will uh, put that in the show notes if anyone's interested yes, in thank you. checking out the Cami and Wyatt series as well. So um, before we wrap up, there's a couple questions that I ask everyone. Mm -hmm. And the first one is, what is one of your biggest challenges raising young change makers right now? I would say one of my biggest challenges, well, my biggest challenges with pretty much everything is just having enough time, I guess. Mm -hmm. And also just all the different distractions there are, especially with electronics. And I'm not saying with my kids, with me, because I'm on my phone or the computer doing stuff. And a lot of it's for my books, but still I need to be very, what's the word, intentional about taking the time to teach my kids about um, creating change and making a difference and then going out and doing and actually scheduling to do these things with them. Because mm -hmm. otherwise I feel like the day goes by and the time flies by and you're like, okay, I didn't do anything to help anyone today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you can for sure, it's very easy to focus on just yourself. Um, or just your family, you know, and it's great to do things to help your family because, you know, as moms, we're, we're pretty selfless. Like we don't, we, we pretty much put our kids first and our family first, but um, taking the next step and going to help somebody else or the environment or animals requires some, uh, you know, just intentionality about putting it on your calendar and making the time to do that. Yeah. And one thing that I'll share is that at dinner, when we do family dinners, mm -hmm. we go around and share, um, you know, what was one positive thing of the day? Mm -hmm. what was the highs and night? lows. Yeah. yeah, highs and lows. Yep. <laughs> um, but we've also done, you know, what was something kind that you did for somebody else today? Or, yes. or, or what yep. is something that someone did for you that made yes. you feel happy? And, yep. and that's kind of helped. Um, we probably need to be more regular about it. We usually yes. sometimes just stick with the highs and lows. So my yeah. son is kind of getting into the age where he's like, eh, you know, I roll. Yeah. And <laughs> How old is he? He's five and a half, okay. <laughs> almost six. He's he's almost six. So, yeah. Um, but but it that was something that we were were good at, and and like I said, probably should get back into it. But that's an option too for people that are you know looking for ways to incorporate that a little bit more often. Oh so. yeah, for sure. Yeah, we try to do that too. But yeah, the the routine kind of tends to fly out the window during the summer. So we yeah. need to get better about doing yes, that. Yes, because, <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share that we didn't cover today? No, I don't think so. I'm just, um, you know, I'm working. I got these th first three books here, and then I'm going to be doing another Kickstarter campaign in probably January or February for the last four books in this series. So people can kind of keep an eye out for those last four books then to uh, get those books into the hands of kids too. Awesome. And you do have a Facebook group. And so I will uh, for the book. So I will link mm -hmm. to that as well. Mm -hmm. If you want to join, it's a really fun group. So I'd recommend yeah. joining. Uh, and can you share uh, other places where people can find you? Yeah. So my website is stacycbauer.com. Um, and there's a 
landing page on there called Young Changemakers. So you can see some of the kids I'm featuring and you can, and that links you to the Kickstarter campaign also. Um, and my shop is on there for the Cami Kangaroo books. Yeah. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, all those good things. I'm usually, I'm usually um, under the name Stacy Seabauer. Awesome. I will link to those social uh, handles in the show notes as well. So Okay, great. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much again for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing. These three things are the best way to ensure that the podcast reaches other people who are trying to raise eco-minimalists. Additionally, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, as well as the link to join the Facebook community group, all in the show notes. Finally, don't forget that you can become a member of the podcast and receive benefits such as extra bonus episodes, episodes a day early, learn about guests ahead of time, and lots more. The link to becoming a member or to find out more info is also in the show notes. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget that in order for sustainable living to be sustainable, it has to be sustainable for you. Until next time, bye.